Hey, I'm Yannick Gwizdala, and this is the Yannick Gwizdala podcast. Before we get going with this episode, um, I want to tell you about another podcast that I'm involved with co-hosting with my good friend Justin Vasquez. It's called The Live Archive. You can check it out at thelivearchive.com. Um, you can also subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher to The Live Archive podcast. Um, it's basically where me and Justin, um, we, we, you know, one of our big things when we were hanging out all the time in New York was playing each other stuff that neither of us had heard before. Um, bootlegs and live recordings and just get getting to the good stuff, basically. So um, we put this podcast together where we kind of fast forward to the good bits, um, talk about it, talk about what it means to us. We were streaming a lot of the uh, a lot of the recordings live online and taking requests from the audience. So it's a nice byproduct of that. Um, but you can check it all out at thelivearchive.com or Stitcher. I have my really good friend Jeff Rothschild in the studio with me for this uh, for this next episode um, and, and what an epic story of someone who I mean we went to Berkeley together back in 98 and uh, what an amazing story of someone who really went to the very top of the, of the music industry and the music business doing what doing what he did as a drummer and as a mixing and recording engineer it's a laundry list of, of accolades and accomplishments um, from John Bon Jovi to Cheryl Crow to Sting to Kelly Clarkson to Jessica Simpson, Melissa Etheridge. I mean, the, the, the list is so long, it would be an hour of me just telling you about his list of credits. But the big part of the story to me is that one day he, um, he thought, okay, this is enough of this. I want to go and do something else and I want to lead a little bit more of a healthier lifestyle and um, pursue something else that I'm just as, if not more, passionate about. So we talk about his kind of transition from the music industry to his current occupation. I'll let Jeff um, tell you all about it. Talk to me about the moment where you were, wherever you were, sitting in a studio or on a session or still being involved in the music industry and deciding that it was time to be not doing that anymore. My music career was, was very good, I enjoyed it. It was a dream job for a long time. And then there got to a point where I just started getting progressively burnt out with it. At the same time, I started getting progressively more interested in health and nutrition. I started riding bikes, started playing tennis again. Uh, and I just kind of for a while was okay being on autopilot in music, making good records. I felt like I was still doing a good job, but I was able to do it I don't know if mindlessly is the right word, but... Kind of running in the background a little, right? Yeah, yeah. you know, I'd reached the point where, you know, I, f I felt like, silly as it sounds, you know, in that profession I was kind of a Jedi, in that I could do it very well at a very high level. And so, being able to run in the background, as you said, allowed me to read, learn, uh, exercise, all these things that I enjoyed doing, and... Uh, after several years of, of having that as a hobby, I got to the point where I wanted to take it a step further. And so I actually do remember there was one night where it all clicked together. You remember who you were working with? I don't remember what record I was working on, but I do remember I was being where I was, I was home, and I started kind of thinking of a, a basic roadmap 
in that, okay, well, I could become a registered dietitian, I could be a certified strength and conditioning specialist, okay, th this requires this schooling, this requires this, um, here are my options for where I could study, uh, I could get a master's degree, you know, I didn't want to leave Los Angeles, so here, you know, I could look at this school, that school, and, and there was this moment where it all kind of like, uh, it, it, it aligned itself in a, in a doable, achievable uh, series of, of uh, I guess, events or achievements yeah. that could, could send me into a new career. And, I, and there was something exciting about going from established in a career to back to the drawing board. And you're listening to the established career that Jeff is talking about um, as he's playing drums on this track with, with Sheryl Crow and Sting. Um, so to go all the way back to the drawing board and, and, and start over and, 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 and um, pursue a new career is, uh, is, is a really far cry from you know, functioning and being a part of the music industry really at the, at the highest level you possibly can. Were any of those people that you worked with conscious as much uh, conscious as much as you were about health and about fitness and about the rest of life like outside of music or were they workaholics like what was their deal do you remember that do you remember any specific That's people that question. were like yeah i mean some people you know were, were into nutrition or a little bit or would read you know some books about being a vegan or um because you know, it was fashionable or yeah you know this one thing or the other but i never i wouldn't say i ever really connected with anyone uh, at that time, about over this, over this stuff. But um, you have since, right? Uh, yeah, I suppose I have since. Um, well, besides yourself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, actually, you know, I'll say Melissa Etheridge has always been very into nutrition. Uh, uh, well, actually, I don't know, always, but over the last, let's say, ten years that I've known her and worked with her, um, she's been very, very into, you know, putting good things in her body and, and taking care of herself and things like that. Um, I suppose I've, uh, who else have I worked with from music since? Well, um, I mean, people that I know, I would say like someone like Rashawn Ross, sure, for instance. Rashawn, yeah, know? I've connected a bit with Rashawn. Um, with James Valentine James, course, from Maroon right. 5, you know. Right, Don't, exactly, James. I, I met James first when he was in the band before Maroon 5. Right. And then uh, would see him sporadically through the years, and, and it was nice to reconnect with him uh, through tennis, actually, and, and, and then through nutrition. So... Okay, I mean, one of the most obvious questions is, you know, you have this completely different life now. You're in fantastic shape. Do you consider yourself to be in the best shape of your life right now? Um, yeah, I suppose. I mean, maybe you could argue a few years ago I might have been a little bit fitter, but okay. more or less I would say uh, right now I am uh, training for an Ironman triathlon and, and uh, yeah, I suppose I'm, I'm as healthy and fit as I've ever been. Now. First of all, I mean, I got you to come back into the fold because you mixed my last record, <laughs> which was great. Right. Spending a day doing that was awesome because I really knew you more as the nutrition guy and we play tennis together and we talk about, you know, health and food and hydration, all this kind of stuff. So that was kind of cool to be in the studio with you seeing the dark side, seeing the <laughs> other side of things. Is there, is there something where you think, wow, man, I missed that or now I have all of these tools, I could actually make it work again to where it would be a healthy thing? That's a good question. I don't think I could do what I was doing before, even with all my knowledge, and, and make it sustainable and healthy and, and that I can enjoy it. 
Um, it's certainly possible perhaps for some people to, to live a healthy lifestyle while still being in the studio quite a bit. Um, but for me, I think it would only, um, it, would, it would bother me and, and detract from, from, you know, it would, it would steal my focus. Um, yeah, I, I did enjoy that with you and, and over the last five or six years, it, when I first stopped doing music full time, I, I still mixed a little, a few songs that first year and it kind of just got progressively fewer and farther between. Right. I do enjoy parts of it still, but it's usually a one or two hour chunk out of a 10 or 12 hour day. So you don't miss the 10 hours of being in a small dark room yeah, <laughs> with you no know, natural but, light. Yeah, but what I, but, and, and I haven't regretted any of that, not for, not for a day really, but uh, the, what I do miss, the, the, the biggest aspect of what I miss is the hang in the studio, or not so much the hang itself as the bonds you, uh, you create with someone when you've been in, if you make a full record with someone, it's 10, to, 10 weeks to, or more uh, in this small room. Yeah. 10, 12 hours a day, and you see, it's like being in the car with someone all day or a road trip, you see their highs and lows and, yeah. and their vulnerabilities, and, and you're there to help the artist um, see their vision through, and, and they're trusting in you as the expert of, of that domain to, one, do the best job and, and you know, fulfill their vision and, and, and make it even perhaps better than they imagined. So there is a bond so that after then, when you see the band on the road, go to a concert, there's definitely a different bond between you and the artist than any of the other people in the dressing room or the, you know, after the show, there's, you know, uh, people from all different relationships with, with an artist. Um, so there's definitely that uniqueness that comes from being in that uh, enclosed space for weeks to months. I mean, it's funny, you mentioned, uh, you know, well, I think I remember what you just said, where when you make a record with someone, it's at least 10 weeks, possibly more, of 10 to 12 hours in the studio. You think that still exists as much as it did back then? I mean... Well, yeah, it, if you're making a full record, uh, a lot of times it's not 10 weeks in a row. It might be a week here, two weeks here, two weeks, you know, and then and, and sporadically or But just a lot the of sheer times, basic requirement of yeah, what is it, what total needs time, to get done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it, a lot of times in pop music, you're making one or two songs with someone and then you know, let's say it's a week of song or something, all, all told. But you got the opportunity in your career to do a lot of full albums with people, right? Yeah. Where was, was that generally also one producer as well? Yeah, well, if it's a full album, yeah, typically, yeah. It's a, because, it's I mean, I look at, you know, talking about James Valentine, for instance, I look at Last Maroon 5 record and there are probably eight or nine different producers on that record. Yeah. It was kind of piecemeal, kind of patched together, but you were doing like John Bon Jovi records and I would imagine a Middlesex or Etheridge record is kind mm -hmm. of one producer. Yeah, yeah, those kind of records lend themselves to really uh, being a whole body of work, uh, an album as a whole, as opposed to a series of singles, which is what pop music is, for better or for worse. I mean... Um, you know, you could argue both sides of that, and, and I'm sure iTunes has contributed to it being a singles-driven um, world. Sure. But, you know, um, yeah, I mean, some people might see both sides of that. So I can't emphasize enough how important Jeff's answers and information he gives um, about the, the answer to my next question. I can't emphasize how important that information is. Um, it may well save your life um, if you're a, an aspiring musician if you are a seasoned musician if you're having any kind of health issues if you're struggling with being on the road working in the studio um, if you're 13 years old 15 years old if you've just discovered music it doesn't matter where you are 
um, or how crazy about music you are if you're considering doing this in, in any kind of capacity as a career and the information Jeff gives uh, in the answer to, to, to this next question is huge and uh, I just thought I'd underscore that with this music that's playing now in that the guy who's playing drums with Kelly Clarkson on this multi-platinum hit is the guy who's just about to drop a bunch of really important and useful knowledge um, and it's something I have since we recorded this have been referring back to and taking notes on it's something I suggest you pay really close attention to it some some really great information what do you see the biggest deficiency as a nutritionist right now as someone who knows who has studied this in depth and knows about the human body and what it needs and also knows the you know the pressures and the and the constraints of being a musician whether that's in the studio or on the road what's the biggest thing you see in musicians be it in the studio or on tour that is deficient what 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 do you think First of all, what do you see uh, the mistakes they're making and what would you say are the first one, two or three things they could do to seriously enhance their well-being? Yeah, great question. I think there should be two separate topics as far as studio, musicians, engineers, etc. Yep. And, and on the road because they're two totally you know, different, different issues. So on the studio side, the biggest problem is that, well, again, if we're thinking of, a, of an engineer producer or someone who's basically in the studio all day, uh, they're in the studio all day. Yeah. So if, if, if you know you, you count steps, like people have Fitbits, or even on the iPhone, it automatically counts your steps. Yeah. Uh, I'd be shocked if many people get more than you know around it, more than a thousand steps right. in a day. Typically, we say it's ten thousand steps is a goal. That's obviously just a round number. That's a nice thing to shoot for. Um, it's so super super important. And even an hour of exercise a day in the morning for example, is not enough to offset the negative effects of sitting the whole rest of the day. Okay, so this, this sedentary, so just a, a, as a simple thing, you could take a walk around the block, depending on where you, you know, the, the studio setup. Um, you know, we're here in Hollywood, so sometimes it's, it's not so convenient to get out and walk around the block, but whatever it is, I think it's absolutely worth doing several times per day. Okay. Super, super important. Um, getting light exposure is another pillar of human health, meaning... Specifically for vitamin D? Good question. No. Partly for vitamin D. Okay. Vitamin D. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you worked in England a long time. Yeah. You, you, no, it's <laughs> you <charming. understand> me. <laughs> Partly for that, but only in a small... I, I think the bigger thing is that we have these internal body clocks. Anyone who's traveled knows what jet lag feels like. Yeah. And what drives our clocks are the light, there's several signals that drive our clocks, but the two uh, dominant ones are lights and food. So light exposure and food intake. So if we don't have natural light exposure, we're in the static light environment and some people might dim the lights at night and, and raise them up in the day, but the, the color itself doesn't change. So if you were outside, let's say you were camping and living in nature, and the color of light in the morning the, with the sunrise is, is one kind of frequency of colors that changes through the day and again at sunset. So these colors of light are what cue, you know, think of it as the orchestra conductor, and they cue this symphony of hormones that happen in our body. Now, if we, one, don't get these signals, and two, just have a static signal, uh, we are really doing our body a disservice. And if you think about you know, you know, in effect, you're almost flatlining your daily rhythms. 
as opposed to for optimal health and vitality, you want to have a nice, robust body clock. Right. And now we've kind of, by not having a strong light input, we're kind of flatlining this. Furthermore, once the sun is set, we really shouldn't have any artificial light exposure, and most people are staring at a computer screen, uh, which is just blasting blue light at them. Now, a, a quick fix for that, or a quick helper, is the program Flux. Sure, I have it installed. <laughs> yeah, so what that does is it takes the blue light out of your screen only after the sun is set. So if you're a graphic uh, editor or something, you need the colors, then it doesn't work well for you. But anything else, if you're working on Pro Tools or you know, doing music stuff, absolutely download Flux, just Google it, F-L-U-X. It's a free download. Once you set it, you never have to think about it again. And it effectively turns your screen yellow at night. What it does is it pulls the blue light out, but because the blue light is the most egregious to us at night. And so that's gonna allow somewhat better daily hormonal fluctuations. Right. Also, on a similar note, you can get it on your phone if you have an Android, but for iPhones, there's something called Night Shift. Absolutely. Which it's, in, it's on everyone's phone, but most people don't know to turn it on. And you can go to settings and displays and brightness and you'll see Night Shift, just turn it on and you can set it for uh, ideally sunset to sunrise. So lack of movement, lack of light exposure. And then the other key driver of our body clock is our food timing. Okay, I can vividly recall many midnight sessions ordering uh, <laughs> canters like eggs and potatoes or oh, something yeah. or late night pizza or you know, oh, yeah. you Chinese food, Chinese everything. Food, yeah. Whatever it is. <laughs> a ton of carbs at one o'clock in Ca the morning. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So a ton of carbs, a ton of food overall. Yeah. Both of which are not a good thing at one o'clock in the morning. Yes. And the reason is, again, these body clocks, we are wired to eat during the day and sleep at night. If we're sleeping at night, we're not eating at night. So you can see that there's, you know, just at the most basic level, you don't need to know anything about biology to think, hmm, that's probably not a good thing, okay? Carbs and, and, and calories at night aren't a problem because we're gonna sleep on them per se. People think, oh, I don't, I need, I don't need all these calories at night because I'm just gonna go to sleep. Well, that's a nice way to think about it and you, know, you could argue that that's true. But the bigger issue is we handle these calories differently at night than we do during the day. Okay, so that means, you know, people love to say a calorie is a calorie, but, and while that is true, it doesn't act the same way in our body at 1 a.m. as it does at 1 p.m. Sure. So that means our blood sugar response, you know, all, all kinds of things. Um, if you imagine um, your, li your liver, it's, it's like a, um, there's like a, imagine a really busy intersection and it's just like a traffic jam when, when your lights and your body is telling you it's one time and then you're eating, it's, it's really confusing, it's sending mixed signals. Right. So the answer to that is to ideally keep all your food at relatively normal times, quote normal times. So breakfast, you know, uh, uh, ideally within a 12 hour eating window. So if you eat breakfast at eight or nine, stop eating by eight or nine. So, I mean, the, the first thing that springs to mind there is unless you're on like a union type of schedule where you kind of work in regular-ish office hours because union days tend to be during the day, uh, which is very rare. I mean, I was I, I listened to Chris Cheney and Sean Hurley and, and Bob Glaub talk about that yesterday on a Bass Player Live clinic panel where they're saying it's more like 80% non-union and 20% union. Mm -hmm. So basically what they're saying is 80% of their session career studio time is spent at all weird times of the day and night. Of course, they try not to because they have families and other you know life obligations, but like you said, for the most part, there's those 1 a.m. sessions, 3 a.m. sessions. You don't go to bed until 4, you're waking up at noon. 
is there a way to um, artificially create a new cycle? Can, yeah. you, can you make those 12 hour um, eating well, and sleeping windows at weird times? Yeah, you, you could, but you don't want to. You don't so want, if okay. you, the best thing still would be to go with the light cycle. So if you work until 4 a.m. and you get up at 10 a.m., I would still eat breakfast right when you get up mm -hmm. and stop eating by, let's say, 9 p.m. Or And if you need to, you know, if you're up all night in the studio, well, having less food, ideally, I mean, don't eat. You know, that's and are there course. things like yeah. smaller increments of food, like protein bars or yeah, things like I mean, that that don't affect you so badly? Th there's no real perfect answer for that. I mean, if really, if, if I had to give a good answer, it would be like salad or something, okay. but no one's, you know. Perfect answer is trying to work with a producer that's not trying to be the well, past midnight, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> there's one, exactly. And that's what, going back to what I said a few minutes ago, yeah. why I know, like, my typical day when I was doing records was like noon to 11 p.m., noon yeah. to midnight, so somewhat doable, not great by outside people, non-musician standards, but also as musicians, Still goes, manageable. it's yeah, manageable. Um, so eating a big enough breakfast, eating enough before you go in the studio, um, or if it's really once in a while, then it's, it just is what it is. And what about, I, I heard um, uh, you can confirm or, or, or debunk this, uh, hunger pangs can be um, eradicated by drinking. Not well, alcohol, I mean by drinking water. Drinking water. And is that a good substitute when you're feeling hungry? Is that a healthy thing to do? It's, it's probably not a great thing to do long term. Okay. Sometimes people are just thirsty or dehydrated. Also, you could take some solace in knowing that hunger is actually, what th that signal, is, there's some benefits to it. It sends other signals downstream to make some good adaptations in your body. Okay. So knowing that, you know, being a little bit hungry sometimes is actually a good thing. And most people, uh, we're lucky to say this, that most people haven't been hungry for more than a couple hours in years or their whole lives. Yeah. Um, so, you know, kind of toughening up a little bit if you're a little bit hungry at midnight and, and you know, we have, all of us, or most of us have could go three or four weeks or longer without eating. Many people even longer. The longest fast on record is 382 days. Whoa, without eating? <laughs> without eating, just water and a vitamin. Water and a for, for over a year, and they, now, with, with no ill effects. Okay, now was this person of a obese. average? Oh, they were obese, okay, yeah, so that obese. was. Yeah, yeah, well, of course, you know, a they had inner massive person reserves, couldn't do that. But massive yeah, fat reserves. Exactly, okay. but even the thinnest person uh, could go several weeks easily without eating. Okay. I mean, not easily in that it wouldn't be fun, but yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we need water, of course. But but so my point is um, having a little bit of maybe adopting a more stoic, uh, you know, kind of toughen it out, toughen it out. Yeah. Really, just like yeah, you don't need that reprogramming that, yourself. You, you, don't, you don't need it in and out at midnight. I mean, okay, musicians, fun. a huge part of musicians, like the, I, I imagine walking in the studio, there's always a bowl of candy sitting in the snacking there's always snacking stuff around yeah. there's quite often alcohol around the music industry in general you know shock horror you know <laughs> like imagine that um would you say again it's like a question of toughing that stuff out and getting those addictions out of your system it, it, it it'd be helpful and i understand that there's a degree of comfort food but some i work i do work with a, a, a prominent music producer on the nutrition side of things and and he's just gotten those kind of foods out of the studio. Okay. So if you're the boss, you can do that. Right. Um, yeah. And it's I, quite often a question of will, straight willpower, you know? To a degree, yeah. And, and you're putting yourself in a difficult situation by being surrounded by all these candies and yeah. things, but yeah. So 
Okay, so a lot of their stuff applies, I guess, also to the musician who works in town with those late hours, who plays gigs. We're not talking about touring yet, but plays gigs. You know, mm -hmm. I have a gig tonight, for instance, eight to eleven. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, okay, do I eat dinner at seven o'clock so it's digested enough so that I don't feel lethargic on stage? Because I really don't want to eat it. At, you know, the earliest I'm going to get to eat after is probably eleven forty-five. Yeah. You know, but then do I expend so much energy on the gig for three hours that I'm crushing for some food afterwards yeah that's that's a tr that's a tough one and it's not an ideal situation what 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 i would suggest is if you're not that hungry but you want a little bit something at night you could have like a spoonful of raw honey uh-huh so eat dinner before and then you're just gonna eat less afterwards so here's a question because greek yogurt is another greek one. yogurt okay so here's a question because we've worked with together with professional athletes in some small capacity, small on my part, you know, in terms of food, uh, just as an enforcer, really, you as a director, but what about some parallels between the professional athlete and how they eat supplements while they train and while they perform? Um, what about that? I mean, we use Cliff shot blocks, for instance. We yeah, use gels, so, so, we use mm -hmm. those kind of carb-loading things. Would you suggest that for musicians, like mid-gig? Uh, you know, potentially, but I mean, obviously it's not exerting yeah. as much effort. Well, exactly. You know yeah, what the, I mean? You the have to balance put, it. Yeah, the work output of an athlete is typically very large. Huge, you know, yeah. compared to and and now, okay. So I'll get uh, maybe we could segue to a touring musicians. Yeah, sure. Um, working work with several touring musicians on the nutrition side, and and one um, one good change we made with somebody, and I'll just leave it anonymous, but eating his main food before the show and then well, he was one one guy was able to not eat after the show and we're talking about a big touring act yep yep so not tour, not eating after the show and he just kind of toughed it out and so we saw some good weight loss okay. um, again if, if it's um, you know if you're playing a, a three hour show it is it is physical absolutely and so some rehydration yep. um, maybe a protein shake could be the move okay uh, I mean, I'm thinking about the way I play. I know a lot of people yeah. are quite static. I really move around if, mm -hmm. if, it's, if, if it calls for it. You know, yeah, I it sweat becomes a workout. And, yeah. You know. so, so there's, yeah, you know, some Greek yogurt, maybe a little tart cherry juice, um, raw honey. These, this is not the worst thing okay. uh, at 11.30 at night. I mean, but again, this goes back to it's not for, for health and for the optimum ideal musician lifestyle is not the healthiest. Sure. Right, so the, this is- You're already a, setting yourself at a disadvantage well, when you choose right. this career, right? Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> it's like trying to figure out like, well- How do I best manage that? That's, yeah, yeah. And, and but there are, like you said, we're, we're kind of talking about some ways you can manage it. Yeah. There's certainly some very healthy musicians. And we've um, talked about putting this in an app, you know, like all of these yeah. things, you know, which would be great and possibly working with Clay with the ATP trainer as well on a physio side, like certain things, because yeah. he does a lot of like recovery and mm -hmm. rehab stuff, like hotel room stuff. Yeah, um, yeah the, the tricky thing is it, the individuality and it's thinking, okay, what time, you know, even timing uh, a daily schedule. So what time do I have to be ready to go tomorrow? What time, you know, am, am I, well, if you look at NBA games, they can start at 7.30 p.m. or ho hockey games and, yeah. um, or Monday night football games. These, you know, they put these players at a disadvantage trying to uh, function optimally late into the evening. Yeah. Um, actually, eSports, too, competitive video gaming. Uh-huh. This is a really interesting area that I've kind of began to get involved in, and these, these guys are playing video games for like 12 hours a day. And, and I asked one guy, I said, well, what time do you wake up? 
He said, well, sometimes I wake up at 8 or 9 a.m. Some days I wake up at 2 p.m. Some days I wake up at 7 p.m. I just try to get eight hours of sleep. So what, what this is saying is he's effectively jet-lagging himself by a couple of hours every day, and then wow. he just kind of goes through a cycle. This wow. is not good. And, and this and, is someone who's not traveling. Correct, right? yeah. <laughs> and, but yeah, you can jet-lag Stationary yourself. Stationary so, jet-lag. So someone who's a working musician in town playing some gigs some nights, it's, it's effectively like you're a night shift worker in a hospital. Right. Um, you, you have, it's what's called social jet lag. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, a little bit different. Social jet lag um, is a thing, it, but the, the difference in, in hours on your weekdays and your weekends, and, and there's, you know, it's a really interesting area. Um, I guess to, to, make a, to make a long story short, it's healthier the more you're on a, a steady rhythm. If you lived in nature, again, no electricity, yeah. kind of waking up at the same time each day, being outside most of the day and, and, and going to sleep, this is optimal. Now, we've gotten away from it. It's just a factor of modern society and being a musician as a uh, career. So we figure out how to best manage it. So then, um, yeah, if it's in the studio, try, you know, getting outside, the things we talked about, if you're touring, yeah, if you're playing late shows, if you can eat before and maybe a snack in the middle and then you're done, or if you're really someone running around, if you're playing arenas and you're you know, running and, and, and very physical, yeah. then yeah, eating a meal afterwards is probably a good idea. A, a kind of a, a recovery-styled meal, Absolutely. like a high-protein, low-carbohydrate, well, you can salmon have some and carbs. salad. That would be the time to have some carbs. Okay. Um, it's not the worst thing. And then again, we would consider, is it like 11 p.m. or is it like 3 a.m.? Right. So, you know, it's just, there's so many moving parts in there. Um, yeah. So, I mean, let's, let's brainstorm that for a second, thinking about the app that we, we might possibly make. We would, like, put parameters into that it's, then. It, the, it would have the, to be a big logic flow of, like, a lot of if-thens. Right. So, But, you know, yeah. algorithms, you know, based on the input of the yeah. user, you know, like, hey, I'm here, this is my tour schedule, this is three weeks, and the shows are at this time, and I'm getting done at that time. Yeah, and, and you've got to consider time zones, because then you're in a new time zone, your body is still in the last time zone. Right. Um, so it's yeah. Um, I mean, I remember the first time you made me the spreadsheet. Yeah. Going to Asia for the jet lag, and it was a massive. Yeah. So yeah. So to, to I guess to shed to to bring that up. Yeah. Uh, what Yannick was going to Asia, and then he had to fly back to North America, and then to Europe all the same you know, day. The yeah. same day. So I went from I went from Hong Kong to LA to London in the space of yeah. thirty hours. Yeah. yeah, and and then the initial side of it, just going over to Asia. Oh, so, and then then from it was L.A. to Taiwan was yeah, the trip. And that so, was like a week before. Yeah. Yeah. So so what we can do is we can start the jet lag adjustment a, a couple days beforehand, using that day of travel as a, a really good time to to start shifting your body clock, and so that you're kind of halfway there almost by the time you get there. Right. Um, so I and, remember you were setting me like, okay, exercise a little later. Eat yeah. the breakfast a little later. You were staggering my things, like getting me ready for that. Yeah, Chinese so it's all about the again the light cycle, yep. light exposure, and the food intake, and also your body temperature. So exercise can have a, a role there. Yeah. So the more you can kind of gradually shift it in the right direction, um, but you know if you didn't do anything, it takes about a day per time zone to shift your clock. But day with some zone, with okay. some smart prodding, you can speed that up. Well, that's pretty crazy because you t- take a time zone as being one hour, right? Yeah. Okay, and that's, uh, what are we, a 15-hour time difference there? Yeah. So that's a couple, yeah, if you yeah. do or nothing. It's, well, it's nine then, because it's 15 the other way, yeah, okay, but it's so nine, nine the other way. So that's over a week, whichever way around the world you yeah. go, you're looking at a long recovery time. Yeah. 
and I remember on that trip I landed played a show and then changed time zones again <laughs> twice yeah. within the next two days because I went on to South Korea and then yeah. I came back to Hong Kong so and as musicians we do that like, yeah and it's not like the tennis tour, for instance, where you stay for a week normally right. if you're lucky and you play well. Yeah, uh, you generally move every day on the on the on the music tour. Yeah, okay. And then I remember I was using, and I still do, of course. The when 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 I when I travel, like the digestive enzyme thing, the green tea extract, the blue block of glasses. Yeah, I mean, so there was there's, a, the there's, compression there's ways socks. to kind of <laughs> exactly. So those all do different things. Like the green tea extract will help. It's a strong antioxidant dealing with the, the, all the airplane travel, and then the, the blue blocking glasses do what Flux does, except everywhere you look, um, that helps to control your light and dark cycle. Um, yeah, digestive enzymes, because you're not, your you're digestion, just like we talked about, if you're eating one or two at one or two a.m., your body's digestive enzymes are not, um, you don't digest as well. So a little bit of help there. So yeah, there's ways to kind of keep people functioning at a, you know, closer to their optimal, um, earlier on in these in these big trips, so we should have like a like a little calendar thing option in the app to be like, okay, this is my flight time. This is yeah. the number of time zones I'm going through. Yeah, and then have an algorithm that that comes up with a plan, like a daily plan for that. Yeah, that was huge. And I, I remember having the PDF in my phone, and like showing <laughs> yeah. it to people when I got to London, showing it to the tennis players, and they were looking like, wow, like they'd <laughs> never thought of, to do that. You know? Yeah, I guess yeah. it's gonna be a massive help. A yeah. really massive help when you're switching time zones so much, um, and to, it struck me the more we've talked about it, the longer I've known you, the more I've been into it, and and been a, you know, that's been a part of my life: nutrition, hydration, jet lag, all of these things. That it's yet another skill set, and it's one you know, the more dedicated you can be to it, like the more you're going to improve your life. Absolutely, yeah. Where you will function the best again. I use the example of living in nature. I mean, that's yeah. when your cognition, your your vitality is just usually, you know, uh, going to be the best. And so we're trying to we're in this mismatch with this modern environment. So the more you can kind of, uh, and I'm not some hippie guy, you know. It's just knowing that our body shouldn't have light exposure 24/7. We right. shouldn't be eating, you know. We shouldn't be going through the drive-through at 2 a.m. These things. Um, and once you start to correct these things and pay attention to them. Um, they, they can have a big impact. How, how, how do you see the, the exercise element on the road? Um, how, have you done much touring I as a not, musician? No, that's what But no, you have traveled, I mean, obviously you've traveled like traveled UK, you traveled to work, like yeah, to, I, I made to, a lot. to record. And yeah, stuff. I did a fair amount of traveling to make records. Right. Um, but I never, that's one aspect. So I was a drummer, I guess we haven't, I don't know how much background you listeners will have on yeah, me, yeah, but yeah. Well, I was a drummer and, and, and uh, that was one thing, I mean, so I played on a lot of records and, and I, and of course, an engineer and mixer on a lot of records and I never did the touring thing and I, yeah. not for, it just never, the timing, you know, it just never came up and that's one aspect I always feel like I kind of missed out on a little bit, so, like, especially in my early 20s where yeah. it would have been fun. Sure. Um, well, so I guess I had to live vicariously through, through friends on, on that side of things. Um, but to answer the question, I mean, exercise, yeah, that's tough. Uh, depending on how, if you're driving, or, you know, going by bus, going by plane, um, jumping time zones, it, it, you know, do you wake up at 7 or 8 a.m. to exercise and cut your sleep short, 
or do you sleep in and, and you know it's I do I do get up I force myself to do it sometimes I question whether that's healthy well yeah exactly. you know what I mean like I'm Same. always like uh, could go either way here like I need the exercise but sometimes I need more than four hours sleep I agree and, and I think a lot of times and, and people that exercise late at night you know if someone go to the gym at 10 or 11 p.m. Uh, I think that's a terrible idea yeah and is it better than doing nothing um, probably not because I think it's harmful um, the gyms are lit up with these artificial lights and and it's just especially in the winter when it gets dark at 4 or 5 p.m. and then someone goes to the gym at 10 11 at night I just it's mind-boggling um, well that's it's, great it's, information because I I used to do that a lot until we yeah. talked about it and you told me that and yeah, then not I see it. a yeah. lot of musicians yeah. like post gig like wired from the gig head into the gym or do an exercise late night you know? yeah I think it, it again instead of just complaining about it it's to offer some suggestion is go for a walk outside in the dark or you know of course maybe not always feasible but yeah. that is better that'll unwind you know we have so we have two sides to our nervous system we have the parasympathetic and sympathetic one is the parasympathetic is our people call it rest and digest and the sympathetic is the fight or flight okay. so playing a show you're jacked up sympathetic overdrive okay most people live our lives in this sympathetic overdrive meaning we never unwind relax uh, get out in nature so we have this chronic stress hormone uh, release and, and it's just not, a, you know, I'm sure people listening can imagine, like you're just wired all the time. Yep. After a show, you're wired, you do more exercise that stimulates those, uh, um, you know, adrenaline and these hormones. Okay, that's not a good thing. You want to do the opposite, so calming. Um, and again, I know it's like some people are just going to do what they're going to do. Um, in a perfect world, you know, you get out for a, for a walk or something and with, in a dim, you know, a, a dark environment and um, ideally with some nature around. If you look at trees, being, walking out in nature will lower your stress levels, cortisol levels, more than just walking in an urban environment. Um, so that's, again, perfect world or taking an Epsom salt bath. But I get it. It doesn't always, you know, it's not a perfect world. I mean, thinking of technology and how we're always wired into our phones or our laptops or our TVs, are there, is there any method, audio method, that you've come across of listening to certain sounds that helps that winding down situation? You know, the like brain waves or something like that. I've listened to a few of those things and I've, I've felt it's helped. I've never tried those, but I have. I do often recommend Headspace, the app. Oh yeah. And that's you know, most people. Sometimes people are reluctant to try it, but often because of we, the word meditation, I guess, because of the connotations yeah. that brings up of being a little hippied out or yeah, whatever probably. it is you know what I mean yeah okay yeah um, and, and so uh, yeah it. but usually once people try it they either like it and, and and you know I have no connection with the company but there is a 10 day it's free it's free for 10 yeah, yeah 10, tried it. 10 days awesome. and you can actually keep looping those 10 days so yeah. um, I would actually encourage people just to try it I usually say just try it for three days you don't like it after that, you know. And that's Headspace, right? Headspace, Headspace.com yeah. Headspace or Headspace the app, right? Yeah, if you, yeah, it shouldn't be too hard to find. Um, a, a funny story about that, uh, uh, someone I know that went there for a meeting and she went in and uh, the receptionist was talking like this. And she's like, she's, and this girl was kind of confused as to like why the receptionist is whispering and she's like, the company is meditating. So they have like quiet hours for maybe, maybe not hours, but you know, minutes, maybe 15 minutes or 20 minute blocks or something. Where the whole company shuts just, it down. It's like, yeah. Wow. So it's cool. So they're living, you know, they're, um, you know, they're, they're uh, practicing what they preach, I guess. And it's amazing, you know, the more documentaries I watch 
um, rock and roll documentaries, pop tours and stuff. It's less, you know, throwing TVs out of windows <laughs> and having yeah. a bottle of Jack Daniels in your hand permanently and more kind of like yoga rooms backstage and, and chiropractors yeah. and physios and <laughs> meditation and TRX trainer and this kind of stuff. Um, do you use the TRX actually? Uh, the, the TRX bands, yeah, I like yeah. them. Yeah, okay. I, I, I took that on the road. I found it was perfect. an awesome yeah, thing. Great for the road. Hotel room, you know, you loop it over your hotel room door and you get a serious, serious sweat on it. Yeah, absolutely. You know? The thing is you have to be motivated to do it. You have to have yes. the knowledge to know how to do it. Yeah. Um, so. so key things I would, I would guess are some sort of training to learn how to do that. Oh, for know, TRX, to, yeah. For TRX or yeah. any kind of whatever it's gonna be, I guess, that you choose. Yeah, I mean, look, it's motivation. I mean, you can do push-ups and air squats and sit-ups and yeah. planks and... Um, and be in great you know, shape. You're fine, yeah, and, yeah. and walk. And, and it's, it's walking is just so, so critical. Yeah. Um, I don't wanna under, underscore that, or I can't underscore. Underscore? Overst underscore, overstate. highlight. I can't overstate. overstate. There you I can't go. <laughs> overstate that enough. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's who we are. It's built into our DNA. We need to walk, we need to move. Another, you know, getting back to, you mentioned that, um, People can track their steps. One of the, the the best, I think, stats on those on some of those trackers is not just total steps, but um, number of hours per day greater than 250 steps. Uh -huh. So meaning, how much, you know, what I mean, so if how you walk 10,000 steps in a row and sit the whole, yeah, well, yeah, each each hour, how many hours you're moving? I mean, 250 steps isn't very much. So yeah. how many hours of the day are you at least getting some moderate, uh, you know, movement in? And, and that I think is. Uh, it's a little, I guess, complicated, or it's not as convenient as just total steps. Yeah. But if but it's someone, a good stat. Uh, yeah, I yeah. think it's really good. Good feedback. And is that you know uh, lubricating joints and metabolism, and what is that it's, helping by yeah, walking? Yeah, so it's getting your heart rate up. It's yeah. turning on your muscles. Yeah. Um, your, so activation. Your, your 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 insulin sensitivity, meaning how you handle uh, like the blood sugar spike from a meal, will be improved after a walk. If you walk before or after meals. Um, it's just it's kind of just so many things plus like just on, on your brain side of things you know your, your um, balance and, and making decisions so again a reason uh, to walk in nature is the inconsistency of the steps okay. so treadmill walking is uneven ground uneven ground and yeah, uneven so surface yeah the exactly change right. of surface yeah. so your feet have to make little adjustments there's just these little things that your body has to do and this is very good for your brain so while treadmill walking is better than sitting uh, and, and probably outside urban walking is better than treadmill walking, outside nature walking is better than all of them. So with what we have access to, for instance here, Hollywood Hills, the hiking kind of thing, yeah. like you, that's, that's a big yeah. thumbs up from you, right? Big, big. I, now I'm thinking, you know, you talked about the, the how many consecutive hours can you move 250 steps as a stat, right, as, as feedback. Well, not necessarily it. consecutive, but how many in a day? How many in a day, okay, yeah. but basically bringing up the fact that you should be active every hour rather than being active for one hour, highly active and then, you know, yeah. docile for 10 in a row. Let's forget about the touring musician. Let's forget about the studio musician. Let's forget about the engineer or the producer, the established musician. Let's talk about the age range of like, 10 years old or 13 or whenever it is that you get that spark to want to practice a lot and hmm. you get inspired to kind of college age like let's talk about that age before you get a gig when you well, like I was when I first started playing putting in those incessant amount of hours of practice and really the, the, the cliche of yeah I practice 12 hours a day actually I did hmm. you know and I didn't move and I wasn't active and I, I, I didn't get out of my PJs sometimes before it was time to go to bed again and the three yeah. times a day I stopped were to eat 
mm. you know and I know that's quite extreme but there are definite uh, there are variations of that where people spend hours a day yeah. at that age yeah no absolutely and I guess I, I was similar maybe not 12 hours but I definitely really hit it putting the through. miles yeah yeah um, luckily I was a drummer so I guess there's some activity inherently sure. there it's you know there's not a great answer other than the way people uh, that work at a computer will set reminders on the screen so every 55 minutes you take a five minute walk okay that's not too much to ask um, and I think it it would really benefit your practice I think you'd get absolutely we get a better 12 hour practice session if every 55 minutes you took a five minute walk yeah I mean, um, I'm reading things now, research about practicing not just music, where it's like 45 minutes yeah. and you're good yeah. for a couple of hours. Like if you do 45 minutes every two hours even, you'd be good. And yeah. And, having and, the discipline to fill that other time with healthier pursuits. You know? Yeah, though I think, you know, with, with like learning an instrument when you're a teenager, there's going to be something from that muscle memory and the miles putting into that. Like, it, you know, in, in endurance sports, we refer to it as base miles right. uh, as a runner or a cyclist sure. or something. So I think... If, if someone from the time they were 13 and, and started playing bass only practiced in, you know, 45 minutes twice a day or three times a day, they're not going to progress to, you know, this level. Right. But I think practice would, again, absolutely be improved if you took those chunks and, and just split up a little more. Now, something interesting that I just learned or that just a study that just came out is when people take breaks, you got to take a break. You can't. You email. really got to shut it down. Yeah. yeah. So people, this was a really interesting study and I hope I don't get it wrong, but people, um, uh, during like office worker type people, they had uh, on their breaks, they, they either did nothing, like went outside, or ate, or um, did email and, and browse okay. on the internet. And then when measured their subjective uh, like tiredness at the end of the day, the people, the eating was kind of neutral, so it was like a little bit social, so it wasn't a benefit or, or, or negative. Yeah. Um, the people that did the emails and, and still were on the internet, Report of being more tired at the end of the day than, and the people that, uh, you know, were, were getting outside and really taking breaks reported much less feelings of fatigue at the end of the day. So mm. uh, there, there's definitely, you know, some nuance to taking breaks too. And it's so I, I would imagine a teenager's five minute break might be spent on Instagram or yeah. <laughs> Snapchat. Um, if there's any of those people listening, I mean, I would just strongly encourage you just to so just leave the phone. You maybe check it if you need to, but go outside. Put, Go for a walk without the phone. Yeah, you know I know that's a, a scary thing for some people, but um, I think your practice would improve. Your everything would improve. I mean, I was talking to Bob Reynolds this week about it, and he's very strict about the phone. He said he will go outside and put it in the glove box of his car <laughs> and come back in and spend time with his family, uh, completely uninterrupted wow. time. Or if he's filming a video lesson or he's practicing, he will get it. Will be meters and meters away, <laughs> you know. Yeah, my, I, I probably should do that when I really want to get work done and it doesn't require the internet. I will go outside. There's like a courtyard in my building where yeah. I, the internet doesn't quite reach. So <laughs> my computer will be offline and I'll have my phone maybe just in case or yeah. if I get, if for my breaks or yeah. so, you know something. But when I really need to, to get into this uh, mode, then uh, um, yeah, it's no internet. Yeah. So there, there was, it reminds me, and I, I keep thinking of this phrase, deep work. There was an interview with, a, I think there's a book called Deep Work. Okay. And I think I heard the, an interview with the author on, I want to say the James Altucher podcast. Okay. And it's just a very interesting concept in, in, in that we, it, it's hard. Uh, maybe I'll, I guess I'll just refer, refer people to listen to that. But it, it's, it's set, it, it resonated with me in that 
I know I'm not always doing deep work. If I'm writing a blog post or anything, I, I get distracted very easily. Uh-huh. Um, and I, you know, we have this monkey mind, and we we think we're multitasking, but that's BS. I mean, we we if you really want to be have quality work and, and, and progress and learn um, this concept of deep work was where you really got to sink in there and, and not be distracted. And, and uh, um, yeah, so I, I guess uh, I, I have not read the book, but the interview was very fascinating. Okay. Um, for anyone, and I really highly recommend this, for anyone who wants to get deeper into this uh, and talk to Jeff and be in touch and stay in tune with developments about the body and about health and about fitness and about nutrition and as that you know pertains to music and and to just life in general um go to eatsleep.fit um if you're in the los angeles area you can check out jeff he works out of uh trifit la is that right trifitla.com that's over in santa monica um i've been over there a bunch of times and done the vo2 max test and the body comm and nutrition uh consultation and it's changed my life in in a pretty extensive way so i can't mm-hmm. as a you know i speak as a user jeff is not paying me to say this <laughs> uh and i'm just i'm just a big fan and um, i'm sure jeff will be back to especially as we try and develop this app or try and develop something to help musicians you know i think there's such a massive hole and i'm, I'm not doing this as a, uh, saying this is like oh there's a hole and there's a space to make money i'm saying this is i work with all these people i don't want to see them die yeah you know what I, mean? I don't want to see them out of shape need. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of people are leaving a lot of money on the table with these simple. We've already talked about probably a half a dozen or a dozen things that people, small, totally doable things that musicians could make these changes. And and so yes, yeah, so I didn't um, appreciate the the nice words. And I do having this, you know, having ten years uh, as a studio engineer background, I understand. Yeah. The hours, the eating out, the you know, all, all everything that goes along with that world and and the logistics of trying to be healthy. Exactly. And, uh, exactly. It's, it's, and we, you know, having both been to Berkeley, having both been musicians, I'm still a musician, and yeah. having the, the experience we have, we will endeavor now to pull all our resources together. And like you said, they're really doable things. Yeah. They're not what we've talked about. What you've talked about in yeah. this podcast are simple, most times free, and if not very inexpensive, it's just a question of motivation and a question of having that information all in one place. Exactly. Having the and knowledge to, yeah. to know what's having to the make. knowledge base. So we'll, that's that's our goal, I think, for, for what we're working on. So, uh, Jeff Rothschild, I am Yannick Wisdala, and you have been listening to the Yannick Wisdala podcast. So you can check out Jeff Rothschild at eatsleep.fit. Again, if you're in the Los Angeles area, Jeff works out of TriFit LA uh, in Santa Monica. They're trifitla.com. And on my side of things, if you are looking for something to populate your practice routine, head over to store.yannickguizdala.com. We are running just a ton of special offers and bundles and audio courses and books and all kinds of great stuff over there um, so go to store.yannickwizdala to check that out and I will speak to you again soon on the next episode of the Yannick Wizdala podcast